So in today's episode, you know me, if, you, if you've been following Bravery in the Boardroom, you know me and you know about my determination and desire to see boardrooms more representative of the communities and staff they serve. But today, in today, I wanted to ask my co-founder, Sam and Liam from the Clive Henry Group to join me in this conversation so I could ask them and for them to share about why them in positions of power, in positions of influence, um, with privilege, and in the majority, why have they, why did they co-found Bravery in the Boardroom with me? And what is it that has brought successes to their businesses in terms of developing and designing and encouraging dynamic, diverse teams across their businesses? How have they done that? How's that contributed to the success? And what is it they're challenging others to do in terms of leading bravely? So as I said, we see boardrooms more representative. So this episode gets into this and more, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So hi, everyone, and welcome to back. I should say welcome back to the Bravery in the Boardroom podcast. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Monique Carriel. I'm one of the founders of co-founders of Bravery in the Boardroom. But I am really pleased to have my fellow co-founders with me here today because most of the time you see me fronting our stuff. Um, so it's really good to have Sam and Liam with me today as well. And I'm going to let them tell you a little bit more about themselves as we have this conversation. But before we go any further, it will be great for people to know, um, maybe I should say your real jobs, so to tell us a bit about your businesses and what you do. I still don't know what my real job is, to be honest. <laughs> um, so I'm Liam Molesworth. This is Sam Alsophall. Uh, we're co-founders of Clive Henry Group, uh, which consists of three separate companies, uh, Woodrow Mercer Healthcare, which is a recruitment agency, Improve, uh, which is a management consultancy, and Tech Canal, which is our tech company. Um, and we operate in the uh, NHS and private healthcare space. Okay, oh my gosh, a lot there. And how long have you been running for? Uh, so I set up Woodrow Mercer Healthcare in 2018, so four and a half years, coming up to five years. Um, and uh, then we set up Improve two weeks before we went into uh, national lockdown in March 2020, which were very weird times. Um, and then more recently we set up Tech Canal in the summer of 2022. So a lot going on there and I'm going to, yeah. as we're speaking, I want to dig into that a bit more because sure. um, I think you're very brave in how you do things, but it'd be great for our listeners to understand a little bit more about that. But I know that your businesses are actually very successful, so congratulations to you both on that. But it'd be great to understand what's driven that success. What's the success of your business? What's made it? What's made it happen for you? Sure. Um, so, yeah, we might have slightly different answers or some might come in and say something else. Um, for me, um, it has been the ability to hire great people. And I think the word great is is very significant in that sentence because um, anyone can hire people. Mm -hmm. But we've got quite a good track record uh, in identifying talent um, and getting people to reach their potential before they might see it themselves. Uh, so yeah, we're very, very lucky to be surrounded and work with talented people. So tell me a little bit more about that, what you said about identifying talent and seeing their potential maybe before they were. That's really interesting. Tell me a bit more about that. Sure. Um, so I guess we, we're both recruitment consultants by, by background. Mm -hmm. So naturally, or you know, or maybe a learned skill um, we have is finding 
good people for, mm-hmm. for, for jobs and, and making them fit. Um, and I think that in terms of seeing potential before someone else might have seen it themselves, we look for the natural characteristics um, of a great person mm-hmm. rather than looking at someone's qualifications and what they might have achieved academically um, you know, before we find that more, more important. Um, so we often interview people and they might not have the confidence or they might not have had the experience that other people come in with. However, if they have got or if they display some of the natural characteristics what we're looking for, you know, are they mature? Are they professional? Um, are they focused? Uh, sort of just hitting all of the values that we look for in people, then we'll more than often take a chance on. It's really powerful what you said you shared there, actually. I think um, there's a whole conversation going on at the moment about recruiting differently, you know, and how do you recruit values for values as opposed to technical competencies or qualifications. So I really love what you shared there about how you do it and actually how that's brought you success. Yeah, I think, like, for example, I, I had an interview this morning and this might sound really bad and quite unprofessional but I didn't even look at the person's CV because in my eyes um, firstly that a potential hire is being brought to me by someone else as a, as a recommendation and again like I'm not really that interested in where you've been to uni or what degree that you've got I'm more impressed who you are as a person mm-hmm. so yeah that's more important for me. I don't know if you've got a similar similar answer. Yeah, I agree. Like, we never look at CVs, do we? So no. I think our number one, like, value is is work ethic. So, like, the one of the reasons me and Liam became business partners is because probably the first time we found people who could match each other's work ethic. Yeah. So it's really, really difficult having business partners, co-founders, because if they don't match your work ethic, Mm -hmm. it can build up resentment and issues and stuff like that. Mm. So above everything, work ethic, that's the number one value. And you can't see that on someone's CV anyway. True. So talk to me a little bit about um, one I know, so I don't want to tell the story (laughs) in what I say, but something that we've spoken about a lot, um, in our own conversations and when we've had when we have our bravery in the boardroom events is about um, developing and increasing diverse talent pipelines you've mentioned Liam about how you you identify talent and how you pull people for, and you support people I suppose to develop and do talk to me about developing dynamic diverse teams because it sounds great what you've done sure but why do you do that and why is that important yeah, so <clears throat> I think first and foremost, it's pretty obvious to us that, again, you can only run a great company with great people mm-hmm. and great people are everywhere. So if we don't look at hiring diverse talent, you know, we're all of a sudden choosing talent from a much smaller pool of, of, of people. So. Yeah, I think I think it would be it's pretty obvious to um, to us that we need to include absolutely everyone when we're making potential hires, and then yeah, we're also um, keen on we understand that someone has the natural skills to do whatever job they're doing, whether it's in Improve Woodrow or, or Tech Canal, 
um, but you also need uh, to be coached and taught um, you know the more I guess uh, specific market skills mm. so yeah we make sure that anyone that we hire uh, is put on um, you know uh, training courses or uh, management courses or whatever courses they might need in order to I guess be successful within their career yeah so for example um, we've got uh, Joe Burrows and uh, Corey Carruthers and Matt Cardi now who have um, a, a mentor um, and someone that I guess has been there and done it especially for Corey and Joe you know two young black males you get treated differently mm-hmm. um, and we know that as you know white males however we've never experienced what they have so it's important that we get them a mentor who's Marcus who is a young black successful man and he has been treated differently whereas he can he can almost coach Joe and Corey to when that time does come because it's going to come how do you respond and almost you know keep your head up and strategically move through that situation so yeah I find it very important to make sure that the people who are coaching have been there and done it mm-hmm. uh, and it's not almost just us uh, Sam and I who are, are from very different backgrounds and get treated very differently in the professional workspace yeah so you record you recognize that I think and I appreciate your honesty there because mm. I think um, sometimes it's hard for people to people in positions of power leaders to understand that Yes, it is right. And that's absolutely what we're pushing for, for everyone to have equal opportunity to progress and achieve their potential. But recognising that people will face barriers and face situations that we you won't understand and I might not understand. We're different. And I think what you're saying there, it's important to try and find them people who will understand some of their lived experience. But I also know as individuals, our lived experience will always be different. And having a coach really can help people to discuss and express and work through their individual challenges Mm. you know not just assuming because I am I look like you it will be exactly the same so I think that's really important in terms of how you're providing that I wanted to ask you both though so kind of building on that um what does equity mean to you then so in that space maybe I'll come to Sat you've been talking a lot sorry (laughs) um yes I think equity is it's not just about giving everyone the same opportunity because that's just equality of opportunity whereas equity is making it so that you've removed some of the barriers that other people have got to give them the same chance mm-hmm. so I think um, even in our own careers like you know three of the most successful hires I've ever ever made one of them was a ex-professional footballer that wanted to be a recruiter mm-hmm. one of them was a bricklayer that wanted to be a recruiter and one of them had been doing nightclub promotions and marketing and is now the head of creative for our group who's amazing. <laughs> so I think trying to like remove people's barriers, and that might be a financial barrier. So mm-hmm. we're very, very open to say to people, like you're here for a career with us, but we're gonna help you build professionally outside of work as well, mm-hmm. on a personal level. So, you know, we're not FCSA accredited and we need to be careful, <laughs> but we teach the guys and girls that work for us about credit cards and credit reports and mm-hmm. interest rates and mortgages and we don't just talk to them about their job. We talk mm. to them about how to navigate the world outside their job. And I think if you're going to try and coach and support people to navigate the world outside their job, you also need to be honest and say, 
okay, one of the challenges for you is you mm-hmm. are a young black male, so you've got these challenges, so we'll help you navigate them by doing this. One of the challenges for you is you've come from a disadvantaged background and therefore you don't have access to learning or even things like we fund travel for some of the people who come and do apprentice- apprenticeships for us because yeah. it might just literally be that their barrier to get into work is getting to work. Getting to work. Yes. So I think that's equity to us is like... Mm whatever the person Liam's point about hiring great people whatever great people you've brought in you've got to unlock their barriers to entry and make it equitable and you know even even if you're from a very very privileged background mm-hmm. on paper mm-hmm. you might still have like barriers that mean you haven't got equity of opportunity mm-hmm. in terms of your confidence levels or in terms of your um you know, into lived experience about other things that make it difficult for you to perform at work. So for us, like, that's equity. It's just like speaking to the person about them as a person mm-hmm. and what's going to stop them being really successful in our businesses. Um, and I think that's what we've done really well. So that's great. You know, like I said, that's great. It's brilliant to hear that. Really good also to understand how that underpins your success. But you two have decided that's not good enough for you. Right, so you could just crack on. Mm. I'm all right, Monique. We're good. Business is successful. We're running it that way. We've got dynamic, diverse teams. I'm probing you today because I know you two don't really speak about this. Mm. So actually, I think um, I might be selling your secrets here. But I think it's important. Why I've why I've asked you about it today is because it's one of the reasons why I did want to partner with you when I got to know you a bit more. Mm. Um, you're not just talking about the front end. You know, you're actually what you're talking about at the front end, what you're trying to drive at the front end, you actually are doing in your businesses as well. But I want to come to um, why. So why why bravery in the boardroom? Why get involved in this space? Knowing, and we've been, we've been having this conversation just before, knowing that actually it can affect your business, can affect your bottom line. You know, people don't like, there's a lot of people out there mm. who don't like, people in the majority, being an ally and speaking up for those who are being discriminated against. You've got peers and colleagues and potential clients who won't like it. So why why get involved? Yeah, so I think it's important to, to know that you made a really good point. We could, and there's so many people who represent the same as Sam and I, who could sit there and they could get on with their day-to-day lives and nothing's gonna change for them. However, those are the same people who are the people that can genuinely make a difference in what we're trying to achieve from from Bravery in the Boardroom. Um, To solve that collectively, if people like Sam and I aren't going to drive the change, because let's be honest, we're the the people that have to drive that change. So the reason why I personally wanted to get involved involved in it is, is to effectively show how important it is to have a diverse workforce and the benefits it can have to your business um, because you'd be stupid not to look at that. So that's, that's my two pence. Yeah, and I, th- I think, um, like, not being around the bush, the NHS is notorious for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I remember reading a board sort of white paper the snowy white peaks Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's the same Mm -hmm. and that was written 15 years ago it's the same and then 
you know, you hear about the perform, you know, NHS is a highly performance managed system. Yeah. And you hear about poor performance all the time. And a lot of it just comes down to the systems and processes that the people are operating in. And for me, like, if you've not got a representative diverse board, how are you supposed to have a representative and diverse workforce? And therefore, how are you supposed to serve the representative, you know, the diverse economy that you're in, in mm-hmm. terms of the people that are your patients? Mm-hmm. So, like, there's just a few things that have annoyed me in the past. Like, the person I was recruiting for wasn't brave enough to say it's a very diverse part of the world. Our board isn't representative of the diverse part of the world. So, therefore, we need to try and mm-hmm. tackle that. Yeah. But they didn't want to say it. Um, and then for me, I just, it's diversity as well isn't, and diversity and inclusion for me isn't just about, you know, what you look like or what your sexual orientation is or what your gender is. Mm-hmm. It's about diversity of thought mm-hmm. because you can be a black female, but actually me and you could be on the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. We could have the same mm-hmm. type of thinking, type of thought. So it's more about like diversity of thought mm-hmm. and diversity of opinions and yeah, you know, even the way that people in our office speak, you know, is different. Yeah. Some of the things that some of the guys come out with, I'm like, what? I, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's wicked because obviously then they build customer bases with people who speak and feel and talk like them. Yeah. yeah. And that's cool. That's how we've been successful because, you know, not everyone likes me and Liam, which is fair enough. Yeah. Most yeah. people like him. But <laughs> I he- I really hear you, and I think. Something that we talk about, just to pick up on something you said there, Sam, something when you said about diversity of thought or even when you have group think, so you could have representation by sight is what I think you're saying there. So yeah. you've got the diversity by sight, yeah. but actually the it's behavior not. and the thought isn't. And I think I mentioned that because one of the things that we I speak about a lot in Bravery in the Boardroom is it's not to say that what it's not right to see diversity and see boardrooms more representative of the communities and staff they serve, but we need to make sure that representation isn't by sight only. We want to see brave leaders in there that you just described, that situation there where that leader wasn't brave enough, Mm. you know, to make that decision and to go for it. And we need brave leaders to try and pull down some of these systemic barriers. And I know feel like I'm getting on my soapbox now. I think that's one of the reasons why we, we wanted to start a movement, isn't it? Because it's not just about us, but I think we had the energy and the will to say, let's try and do something. But in saying that, I also know that people come for us. Yeah, yeah. You know, people come for us. They might not like the angle that we're coming at. They might be saying, you two are performance allies. It's Monique's a mug, you know, they're performance allies, what you're doing. So let me ask you about that in terms of your bravery. So your bravery to, as I asked you before, you might lose clients and friends, your bravery because people might come for us. Where does your bravery come from? Yeah. Your bravery to make big decisions in your business and to start new, you two start new businesses that you say. I don't think think it's bravery. Mm. I think it's like willingness to learn. You know, um, people who have representative pronouns, like I don't know what they are. I don't know why you've decided that that's what you want your pronouns to be, but i tell you how I can find out. I can speak to you about it and I can ask you. So the whole point of bravery in the boardroom really is to create that ecosystem where it's okay to come and talk about it and ask about things. And that's our real bravery is that we're not saying that we're equality and diversity and inclusion specialists. What we're saying is we know one of the reasons our businesses are successful is because 
it's a diverse business. People don't feel like they're treading on eggshells yeah. around, you know, sensitive topics like what we're talking about. So they feel comfortable in being able to go right. Yeah, teach me what you know the language is, or teach me you know what I need to do in this situation. And they're they're willing to almost admit that they've made a mistake, like Sam says. You know, um, and and having that willingness to learn and have the conversation about it is. I think half the challenge. Mm-hmm. So, like, I give give an example. Like, it's the holy month of Ramadan at the moment. I know that it's Ramadan, and I know that that means that you don't eat at certain mm-hmm. times a day, and you don't pass water, pass you know, mm-hmm. at certain times a day. I don't know much else about it. So, within our business, not only do we need to go and find out of our colleagues who are observing Ramadan, but you know. I mean, I last until about half eleven, and I need a, I need breakfast. Mm. So, how do you work all day without breakfast? And if, unless you go and speak to them and say, "What workplace adjustments do you need?" Mm. And you know, the workplace adjustment one of our colleagues wanted was, "If I'm absolutely flat on my feet, exhausted, I want to be able to take extended breaks." Cool. Well, if we don't ask, we don't know. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that, or I think being like brave to challenge things when they're said, because again, like, we've got a very young workforce Mm. and because we're values-led recruiters and we've recruited them based on their values and principles we know sometimes people say things and they don't mean it in a malicious way it's just unconscious bias or you know it's the way they've heard people talk about things at home etc etc but i've got no problem to say you can't say that and then explain to them why um or i've got no problem to say to one of my colleagues how do you feel about what's just been said Mm. knowing that Mm. that might have upset them but it's that bravery to say did you know that you've just hurt their feelings by just saying a throwaway comment about someone's sexuality etc etc but unless you're having the conversation it just gets left unsaid when you decided to work with us Mm -hmm. you know the performance ally criticism Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know people have rang you and said Mm -hmm. who are these pair why are you doing it yeah, and I yeah. think that you know us well enough to be able to defend your decision, but yeah, like from the outside, why? Who are these guys? And yeah. I think also we're not that brave because we stay in the background. This is the first time we've mm. been on, mm-hmm. you know, the stage, so to speak, mm-hmm. talking about it because people do come for you. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. Um, I think it's so true, and we're not here trying to say that we are right and everybody else is wrong. That's yeah. not it at all. I think there are a camp of people exactly sitting in work what you described, Sam, yeah? There are a camp of people, though, who hold power and they are deliberately holding it and they're deliberately resisting, yeah? They're deliberately resisting seeing diverse talent flourish. They're frightened. They think people are going to come and take their jobs in their spaces. Well, the last thing I knew, there was a big workforce crisis in the NHS <laughs> and there aren't enough people. And as you said, performance is down in most places. So you need something different. But, but interesting what you just said. People are worried mm. that you're coming for their jobs mm. and their places. Mm. Why is it their Why is it their jobs and Absolutely. their places? That's the question. Absolutely, like, absolutely. It isn't, is it? It's not. But that's how we have a set of people in power who think like that. Yeah, yeah. And what we're saying here is we need a movement because yeah. people need energy and we need persistence and consistency to challenge and pull those barriers down. You also need a safe space, so like what you described, you need a safe space where people do want to do different, they do want to address it. They know it's not right in their organizations. They know their senior workforce 
isn't representative of the community they serve. But as you said, they're frightened. They're mm. frightened of getting something wrong. They're frightened of offending people, so they stay away and hide. Mm. And I think we're trying to create some conversation in the bravery in the boardroom space where you can come and find out where you can go and get educated. Yeah. You can come and hear from the heads of EDIs who are tr working really hard to drive change in their organisations, to educate and support, to challenge, yeah. to remove that. So I think it's important to talk about, and it is clumsy, it is clunky, and I don't think it's about excusing people when they offend. I think it's what you said, it's about educating when you offend, so then your bias is no longer unconscious. Yeah, yeah. You understand it now, you don't do it again. But we've also got a group of people who really fuel the movement. Okay, and if you to come to the answer of the question, we've got a group of who are doing so much great work in this space, and we use the movement to give that a platform mm -hmm. to let people I think the largest reason why people say they come to our events is to, <clears throat> to learn about good practice. How are people doing it elsewhere? Mm -hmm. Right, so that bit as well. But why, why am I working with you? Well, if you haven't heard it before, the story of how I reached out to Sam when I left the NHS two years ago. Um, and I came across Sam for a mutual contact, Tara, and I said, oh, I'm going to reach out to Sam. He's big on LinkedIn, big across the NHS. I I'm saying that. <laughs> um, I'm changing in what I'm doing. I think it'd be good to connect with good to connect with you and just say, this is what I'm doing more of. Um, you started to probe me, though. You said, yeah, let's jump on a call. You said, let's jump on a call. And you started to probe me. OK, what is it you're doing? What is it you want to do? Why do you want to do it? And we both hit on that synergy of we want to create a space where we can bring a challenging conversation we want to create a space where we can amplify um leaders from ethnically diverse backgrounds senior leaders in the nhs and i remember you saying sam i really see a vision for this yeah. but i don't know how to bring that about but i do think it can be something special and i was like well i think it could be that is and we started to talk about it. And you said come and see me and my team we'll do something and you just went yeah i want to get behind this now did I know at the time, that exact time? Did I know if you were a performative ally or not? I didn't. Yeah. What I believed though, is that you were genuine in, I've heard a good idea. I've got a team that I'd like to invite you to come along and speak with. And I think we can shape something here together. Let's see what we can do. I'm tired of hearing and seeing things like the Snowy White Peaks report and nothing changing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think we can put our energy to something good. Let's see what we can do. So. That conversation, how it sparked, that's the genuine yeah, why. Yeah. So did I know at the time? No, I didn't. But did I trust you? Yes, I did. And do I think we've got a safe space to, between us that if it's not going the right way or I'm concerned about where you're coming from or vice versa, can we talk about that? Yes, we can. Yeah. Yes, we can. Mainly because we're all Liverpool fans, right? <laughs> big, it's not, big, it's not a good thing to say. Big anyway. Liverpool fans. But I think it's the... <clears throat> I think why I called, why I want us to talk about that as well today is because I think Liam, you said something that was right, which is right. Those in the, it's not only those in the minority's responsibility to try and drive change, to see discrimination removed, to see barriers come down, to see more inclusive leadership, to see boardrooms yeah. more brave. It's not only those in the minority. So actually, that was another one of the reasons why I wanted to partner with you as well because. It's important. You're in the majority. I'm on paper in the minority. Why don't we put our energy and our vision and our diversity of thought together, together for good? I think we can challenge more. I think we can influence more. Mm. So here we are. And you've seen, and you, and you know, we've seen firsthand the feedback 
that you've had from you know people that have been on the webinars, mm. um, people that have attended the webinars, people that call us up and you know promote what we're trying to achieve together. And yeah, you're right. How powerful is it to have you know almost a foot in both representative camps trying to drive the same message and the same um, you know what we're, what we're trying to achieve together? So yeah, I think we'll keep going. And, it just comes quite naturally to I us. think the other, the other thing for us really is that we're like there isn't any like vested interest commercial benefit there's nothing for me and Liam like we don't if we just left it how it is doesn't make a difference to us really does it but that's the, that's the whole point isn't it yeah you know, how many people can be in our position just and leave, leave it. it as it is well okay well, you're missing out yeah, yeah. As, as, as business owners you are missing out and not unlocking potential of your business both from you know anything from the top line to your bottom line of not looking at diverse talent so that's I guess there's two sides of it here for me there's one making sure that people in our position and our business owners you know are going to challenge and then also it's from the other side in the NHS, which is an even bigger problem, because at the end of the day, we can't really get sacked, can we? Whereas mm. people in the NHS who are scared of making those decisions and scared of change, it's about them being brave and them going, right, I know that I've got my neck on the line here, but I'm willing to do that for this cause. So I think that's what we're trying to change, well, drive from both sides. Yeah. And, and, bra- and bravery in the boardroom is for everyone because what tends to happen when you try and tackle these issues is you get these kind of like little pods like little networks that are just for x representation and just for y intersectional characteristic whereas we're trying to say no no bring all of that together into this umbrella movement where it's about bravery in the boardroom and bravery in the boardroom might be giving the support and education to a chief executive of an NHS trust that wants to have a more diverse and inclusive team, but worries that people are going to come for them if they start trying to do it. Mm. That worries that they're going to get, it's for everyone, it's for, and it's also not just about race. Like this is bravery in the boardroom could be all sorts of intersectional things. It could be to do with, you know, I'd like to see more people with disabilities represented mm. in the NHS. I mean, if, if you can't have people with disabilities represented in, in the NHS, mm-hmm. you know, the most accessible buildings in the world most of the time, then, you know, how, how, how can we expect the private sector to do it? Or say, for example, you know, I know there's quite a few executives that even to this day won't, you know, come out and talk about their sexuality. Well, why don't we use bravery in the boardroom to get people who have come out and who are talking about their sexuality and get them to show why that's okay and mm-hmm. why that could be a strength and probably is a strength. So I think bravery in the boardroom is for, is for everyone. And also at the moment we're very NHS, NHS. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's everyone. Like mm. bravery in the boardroom, kind of coming back to it like Liam says, like we can be brave because we can't get sacked. And we're driving it from the top as effectively the two mm-hmm. chief execs of CHG. Mm-hmm. So, like, how much more power could be given to that movement? And that's what we need in the NHS. We need the very top, the chairman and the chief executives driving it from the top. Because I think a lot of the time, to your point, Monique, you get, like, 
diversity on paper mm. and people go oh, look how diverse our board is mm. well not really because you, your non-executive directors are diverse but then everyone else it looks the same but then also back to our original point even if you can go look we're exactly 50 50 and we've mm. got you know one of these one of these one of these that still might not be diverse because it's not to do with but what you look yeah. like it's to do with what you, how behavior. you think and your behavior yeah yeah and i think i think in what you were saying there i think there's I like that we create a space where everyone can come and learn. You know, people always say to us, who's your target audience? Who are you trying to target? Yeah. And we say, well, actually, everyone in this space, those with the power, those with the specialism, those who are in the minority who want to progress. You know, we, we want to talk to everyone in this space and the feedback we get says that. I also value that there are groups and specialist groups who come into our space and help us understand the focus from their specialism as well. You know, so they bring that conversation, they bring that specialism to the table and it gives space for everyone to understand that better too. But there is always more work to be done. You know, this isn't saying it's a done deal. I hope the movement continues to infinity because the movement is the people. And, you know, for us, it's creating the space, keeping it honest. And that's why we don't want our our special events to be commissioned because it's important to us that the space is honest yeah. and people can speak and, it, and they feel able to do that. But we keep driving about, and the other thing we, almost to finish up on, if you like, one of the things that I know collectively frustrate us is how slow things move. And I think what we've wanted to do is inject some space and, and some pace and energy into the movement as well. Actually come in, tell us what you're doing, share it, scale it, move it, let's do it. So. We're not here saying we're the people who do it. We're not. We're trying to create the space and, po and poke the space and lobby and influence policy at a higher level yeah. to drive some of that bigger change. So I hope we achieve from that. You're coming in and, you know, you're looking at this from an individual, but also collectively we give that energy and clarity of what needs to keep moving yeah. um, to drive the change. Yeah, and using the skills we've got, business people, you know, the resources that we are lucky to have, like the branding mm. for Bravery in the Boardroom, it's wicked. The social kind of strategy behind it is wicked. You know, the costs and everything of it are met by, by us. So we're just trying to push the movement like we would our own business. Mm. And the only difference is that we don't make any money from it. But to be fair, there's some things that are more important. And this is one of them because I would just hate it. You know, I've got two little girls and we're talking about one intersectional kind of characteristic, which is that they're female. I'd hate it that, that they can't do something because they don't feel like they can just because mm -hmm. they're girls. Mm -hmm. And then I think to myself, but imagine if you were all the way back. And how do we support those in power to recognise that providing equity and support doesn't mean that anyone is lesser, mm. you know? And that's what I think I heard from your, the conversation with you today is that you, you recognise how to, you want to develop and increase and embrace the talent in your teams, but you don't come at it from a point of lesser. Sure. And I think that's really, really important. Yeah. So, you need, And it needs to be met from both sides. You know, you want to be mm. given, you want to be giving the, the, the people, um, you know, who are in a diverse background, whatever that might be, the confidence in making sure that they, again, can go and reach their potential. But then at the other end of the spectrum, you know, the people that they want to be going to speak to or the people that might be 
in power uh, of promoting that person or giving them a job or whatever it might be, they need to have the confidence and the bravery in making sure that the person who is from a diverse background, again, can be met um, and, and they can effectively have that confidence in, in promoting that person into that position, if that makes sense. And I hope the success of Bravery in the Boardroom is that actually you don't describe that as the person with the power to recruit needs to feel confident or brave, mm. that it's just the norm. Yeah. You know, that will be the success of bravery in the boardroom, that we're not talking about it in that way anymore, that actually the story, the success stories we share in our events are about this is this is the norm. You it's know, it's, it's not it's, an exception. It's to Sam's point, isn't it? It's the willingness to learn. Mm. So if everyone has the willingness to learn, I think this will be such an easier movement to push. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, again, we need to effectively coach people to be brave in the willingness to make mistakes, um, realise when they're making mistakes and then learn from them as well and have conversations about them. And that's the whole point of, of what we're trying to do. Thank you. I think this has been one of the most candid conversations I've had. I can't believe that I've been able to keep you two in a space for this long. It's not often. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Together. And to share honestly. I think share honestly about your own um, experiences, to share honestly about your journey and to share honestly about your bravery. So uh, thank you both. And I think, I think we'll be partners for a very long time to come. So thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Cheers, Monique.